the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a uh, beautiful and a blessed week and uh, a wonderful Saturday. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, This is uh, Let Us Reason, and I am your host, Al Fadi. And um, it's been really a um, a great, great, um, you know, run for the show. Thank you so much for your partnership. For those of you who are supporting us financially to stay on the air, for those of you who are praying for us, and those of you who are contemplating either, uh, we thank you for taking the time uh, to listen to us and to at least track with us and uh, use even our material, hopefully, in your own ministry and share it with others, especially our Muslim people. Of course, I'm talking about the show Let Us Reason, which you can also find the archive of this show in a variety of places. Uh, the first uh, location would be, of course, uh, through the radio station itself, and that's KPXQ 1360. Once you go there, just type Let Us Reason or Al Fadi, and I'm sure you can find a link in there. And uh, the other place would be my own website, sierrainternational.com, and Sierra is C as in Charlie, I R A International. So it's one word, Sierra International without any space. Com. Once you get there, scroll down a little bit from the main page and you'll see Let Us Reason in the center. You can click on that. Of course, Let Us Reason can also be accessed through iTunes and through SoundCloud. Either of these uh, platforms uh, will allow you to access it. And finally, Let Us Reason also now, uh, it's a new launch for us uh, through YouTube. You can go to YouTube now uh, to Sierra International Station, basically. We have a channel in there. Uh, so it's youtube.com forward slash Sierra International. That's the name of our channel. And in there, you'll find a number of things, Arabic shows, English shows, and also the radio show, Let Us Reason. So that's one of the updates that I want to share with you today. Uh, today, we're going to focus only on updates as we do this periodically. The other exciting thing, in addition to launching um, Let Us Reason through YouTube, is that um, we have done a couple of shows with our dear brother, uh, um, David Wood. And um, if you go to our Facebook page, and that's um, facebook.com forward slash alfadi.sira, alfadi one word, A as in Apple, L as in Luma, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, D as in David, I dot sira. C as in Charlie, I, R as in Romeo, A as in Apple. So alfadi.sira on Facebook. Or even our page, Sira International, 
which is also on Facebook. Either way, you get access to you get access to uh, the shows from Let Us Reason because we keep posting them on a weekly basis. Older shows, we're going through the very beginning of our season, so we're into show number four now. And the newer ones as well. So you'll get access to both the most up-to-date and the early ones, kind of like to keep you in the loop of the history and what's going on. And there is, you know, the show is about information. So whether you listen to the newest one uh, or listen to the old one, you're going to still get information that you can still benefit from. Periodically, we do a hist- uh, something related to a news update. So that will be only applicable to that particular event. But those are scattered all over. And also, you're going to come across the uh, my testimony interview with David Wood, which is posted in there. And you are going to see pretty soon here on a weekly basis the other uh, cooperative shows that we've done, myself and David Wood. Another update also, you're going to come across a new post, uh, a series that I started it now uh, on uh, video, I should say. And it has to do with the crucifixion of Christ. In other words, I'm trying to prove that Jesus was crucified starting from the Quran because the Quran emphatically denies the crucifixion. Chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 157, there is a verse in there that Muslims will use all the time, as I did when I was a Muslim, to prove to you that Jesus was never crucified, and it's just a lie, and it's just another evidence in their mind that the Bible has been tampered with because the Bible does talk about the crucifixion. And the verse says this. This is the English uh, translation. This is, you know, basically a generic translation. They killed him not nor crucified him, but it was made to look like him. And uh, it's talking about the claim, according to the prophet of Islam, that the Jews used to brag in front of him that they have crucified Jesus. And the response, supposedly, is that they, the Jews, did not kill him, nor crucified him. But it appeared to them as if he was the one that was being crucified. And of course, I dissect this verse and take a stab at it from different angles supported from both Islamic commentaries and sources and biblical sources as well to show you that there is just a false claim in there that cannot be substantiated even from Islam's own teachings. So this is about um, nine or ten different episodes. Um, You know, the average of about ten minutes, maybe one or two of them will be 15 or more. But nevertheless, it's very valuable, hopefully, in your ministry to use to refute this argument and help Muslims to just at least take the time to listen to it. Um, I've done it in Arabic, but that was through Kingdom Sat. Later on, I'll come back and do it again in shorter segments in my own uh, website, maybe Lord willing, next year. Pray that the Lord will allow us to raise support for these videos. So that's another update that you are going to come across, please go to our website, participate in the comments, uh, read what Muslims are saying, read what others are saying, and so on and so forth. Now, here is, uh, of course, some of the other, um, you know, updates that I want to just share with you. Um, Just going through the Facebook page, my own Facebook alone. One of the most recent posts that I had in there on August 4th, 
has to do with my series that is called Quick Questions, Test Your Islamic Knowledge. And this one I use basically to prove why the Quran is corrupt. And I ask a simple question. Show us the real name of Jesus, the real name of Jesus in the Quran. Here's what I mean by the real name of Jesus. Uh, if we would go to the Quran, and uh, I am, I'm doing a quick search here because I want to read some things for you as well. But if we were to go uh, to the Quran and uh, check the name of Jesus, we are going to realize quickly that his name is not the usual name that we're used to. Uh, his name is Isa, I-S-A. Yet, there are theories about why this name is Isa. I mean, I'll just share with you two theories that I find kind of like interesting. Uh, one theory says the Jews at the time of Muhammad, they despised, of course, Jesus, but at the same time, they wanted to embarrass Muhammad anyway. And in doing so, they made some claims to Muhammad that the name of Jesus is Esau, Esau, the brother of Jacob, okay? And obviously, due to the difference in pronunciation between the Hebrew and the Arabic, it's quite possible that's where Muhammad pronounced it Isa instead of Esau. And the reason why the Jews would have used Esau, because they despised Esau, who is technically his descendants are the enemies of the descendants of Jacob or Israel. That's one theory. Another theory is that Muhammad, for some reason, assumed that the book of James in the New Testament, which is historically known to be written by the brother or the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Arabic way of saying James is Yaqub, and Yaqub is translated Jacob. Notice? So you have Jacob, Yaqub, the brother of Jesus, and the Jews told him, oh, this, this is Jacob, our Jacob, and Jesus happened to be Esau. Okay, so, so that's another reason why the mix-up uh, mix happened. Uh, Muhammad would have assumed that the brother of Jacob or James is Esau, who happened to be the Jacob of the Old Testament, not James of the New Testament. Now, this mix-up, by the way, uh, is common in the Quran. Muhammad, for instance, he assumed that Mary, the mother of Jesus, her name in Arabic is pronounced Miriam, he made the declaration in the Quran that she is the sister of Moses and Aaron. Why? Because if you go to Old Testament, and especially in uh, the uh, uh, book of Exodus, you'll see that his sister, the sister of Aaron and Moses, indeed is Miriam. So, so this kind of mix-up is, is not really uncommon, and, and therefore that's, that's, that's a theory. So my post really is challenging the Muslims to show us the name of Jesus, the real name of Jesus. Why? Because his, his English name is Jesus, but that doesn't mean that's his actual name that was revealed in both Greek and Hebrew. The Hebrew name is Yeshua. And Yeshua really stands for Yahweh is salvation, okay? Which in the Greek it was translated to Jesus, okay? Jesus. And the Latin, of course, took it from there, and then we end up with the English Jesus. And that's where we get the name, okay? But to say 
that Isa is his name, there isn't any evidence to support this. I mean, if the Quran would have used any of these known undocumented names, especially in the Bible, one would say the Quran is talking about our Jesus. Because the Quran talks about a certain character by name Isa, who his crucifixion was denied. He's not called the Son of God. He is not a deity. He's not God in the flesh. Yes, he's called the Word of God, the Spirit of God. But then, of course, uh, later the Quran also denies that he's a member of the Godhead, the Trinity. He's not the Son. Uh, the Quran mixed up the Trinity. It says the Trinity is God the Father, God the Mother, God the Son. I mean, there's so many things in there that are problematic. So I have a post in there uh, on August 4th. You are welcome to go and see basically the discussions that were taking place. Um, Another thing, of course, I wanted to um, just basically uh, discuss with you uh, related to the Facebook and some of the updates in there. We also uh, have another uh, post that I would like to uh, read to you here had to do with the word Tawheed. Tawheed is the Islamic doctrine equivalent to the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is the belief in one God who revealed himself in the Bible in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are equal in essence, okay, uh, nature, divine nature, equal, okay, but distinct in person, basically. The Quran emphatically, of course, claims that the doctrine of Trinity is an invention. It's, uh, it's uh, idolatry. It's worship of three gods versus the worship of one God, which that's not true. Once again, the Quran does not report accurately whatever uh, Christians believed in. It doesn't report the correct Doctrine, the premise of the doctrine, the members of the doctrine, the actual terms and names used for them, even in the Arabic uh, community of believers, because the word for person in the Arabic Bible is oknum. The Quran never once made reference to the word oknum in there. At least, if it would have done that, it would have been at least reporting the actual doctrine, even if it's denying it. That's not the issue. The issue is. You cannot really make claims by not even reporting the correct terminology and the correct doctrine. It's one thing to say, this is what you believe in, and this is why we reject it. It's another to claim that this is what we believe in, and then go on to reject it. Because we don't believe in what the Quran actually is claiming to begin with. The Bible never taught the worship of three gods. Any worship beyond Yahweh alone is considered to be idolatry. It's very clear starting from the very first commandment. Do not take any other gods beside me, okay? I am the Lord your God who is like me, you know, things like that. I mean, there's a lot of passages, especially in Isaiah, between Isaiah 40 all the way to 48, that is extremely emphatic and explicit about the oneness of God, not to mention all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. So, so I go ahead and address this, but here's the interesting thing. The Muslims make this claim that one of the reasons why the Bible is corrupt is the fact that not only it teaches Trinity, but the word Trinity itself is not even found in the Bible, as if this is another reason why the Bible is corrupt, because the word is no longer found. It's kind of funny, by the way, 
because the word Trinity is just a descriptive word of the doctrine itself. So I fired back and I said, no problem. Show us now the word Tawheed in the Quran. Why? Why am I asking this? Because the word Tawheed actually is the doctrine that Muslims believe in that God is one. However, the word Tawheed doesn't mean one. The word Tawheed, all it does, the word in Arabic means unify. Tawheed means to unify. Okay? Unification of what? Unify worship to Allah. Unify glory to Allah and majesty to Allah. And unify, uh, basically, um, you know, beliefs in Allah. It doesn't mean Allah is one. All it means is unifying everything towards this God, this deity, Allah. And you'll be surprised how many posts by Muslims to respond to this that are emphatically denying that the word means unification. Despite the fact that not only me, but many others who corresponded with them showed him proofs of existing documentation, even Muslim scholars defining the word Tawheed to be unification, and yet... The brainwashing, unfortunately, prevents people sometimes from getting out of the blindness, the spiritual blindness they're in. So those are the kind of things that um, we have, basically, in our Facebook page. Uh, That's why I encourage you to go, because we have a lot of intriguing and interesting and challenging things like this, because we want our Muslim friends to think and think deeply. Here's another one that I'm going to talk to you about right now, which I have started it. Um, you know, back in July, uh, multiple posts related to this, and I will continue uh, for as long as uh, the Lord uh, gives us the energy and the strength. This post has to do with the Quran, and I started it with the very first chapter in the Quran known as the opener, Al-Fatiha, okay? Chapter one, uh, the opener. Why is it the opener? Well, because it's, it's the first one in the Quran. When you open the Quran, it's the first one you read when you're praying. You know, you open prayer with. It's the one that sometimes Muslims use to open uh, a meeting, open a conference. Um, you know, so it's, it's a very big deal chapter. And this chapter has either six or seven passages. You're going to say, why six or seven? Well, because there is a debate from the get-go about the statement that opens the chapter in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Is this, here's the argument, is this a verse revealed from God and is it part of this chapter? Because it's used almost in every chapter of the Quran except for chapter 9. Or is this just something that the Prophet says? In other words, why is this opening statement in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, is there? Is this part of the chapter? Therefore, if we count it, we have seven verses? Or is it not part of the chapter, and therefore the chapter is six verses? You get what I'm trying to tell you? First chapter, and we already have a problem with the number of passages, and we don't know if this very first one was added by man or was revealed from God. And you're telling me the Quran is preserved? I mean, seriously. I mean, let's just think about it this way. The very first verse, there is a debate already about it. It gets better. If you think the first verse is a problem, let's go to the second verse. And I'm just giving you just the generic discussions right now. The second verse says, 
Praise be to Allah, the Lord of the universe. Okay? Well, really, there's a lot of debates on how to pronounce all of this, by the way. Is the praise being to Allah, is that basically in the nominative? Is it in the genitive? Or is it in the accusative? You're going to say, well, big deal. What does that mean? Well, thank you for asking that question. Nominative or genitive or accusative. Basically, are we the one who are freely offering God the praise? Or does praise belong to him? He's the possessor of this. Or is he just the object, happen to be the object of our praise, aside from other gods? Big deal. Trust me. And then the idea that he's the God of the universe, the word in Arabic actually could be read in a variety of ways. Keep in mind the Quran, it was written without diacritical markings. For a long time it stayed like this, causing variance readings. Variant readings of the Quran create a lot of problems because one word could be read in a variety of ways until the system was fixed. But even after it was fixed, there remains many ways to read the Quran. In fact, I want I encourage you to go to YouTube and check out a YouTube by J. Smith called the 26 different Qurans. Yes, I'm not kidding. It's 26 different Qurans. In fact, the Quran that Muslims have in their hand today is known as the 1924 Cairo Quran. It was standardized in 1924. Here is a point I want to uh, news flash. The Quran was revealed 1400 years ago. It's only 1924 it was standardized how to read it. And even after this, we still have problems in terms of the variant text readings. So, is he the God of the universe? Because that could be one way to read it, Al-Alameen. Or is he the God of those who know, Al-Alameen, the one who possess knowledge? Okay? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely a disaster since second first verse and second verse in the first chapter, we're already having problems with that. So let me move on to uh, verse number three. And that's another one that is causing some problems already because I already addressed this in one of my posts. And uh, uh, actually, uh, verse four, I'm sorry, uh, verse four. And the verse really talks about this God, this Allah, who supposedly is either the king of the day of judgment, okay? Or the possessor of the day of judgment. Because you can read it either way. Either he is Malik, the possessor of the day of judgment, or Malik, the king of the day of possessor, uh, day of judgment. And when you read commentators upon commentators upon commentators, you'll see how they scramble to try to tell you which reading is better than the other. The difference between calling him king versus possessor. But then I mentioned another thing. I said there is a reading also, an odd reading in there, which still exists also by some reputable people. It's the one who was made possessor. Okay? Malika, meaning he purchased it. Purchased the day of judgment. And to say this, you have no idea how much Muslims are outraged by my claim. And for the last at least eight weeks, they've been bombarding me with negative comments, accusations, cuss words, and all kind of things. 
denying that there is such a reading, and I ignored it, and I continue to ignore it intentionally because I just want to prove a number of things to them. Without knowing Arabic, they're lost. Without knowing to use their brain and think, they're lost because they rely on others to tell them. And without acknowledging their own history and their own writings, they're lost because the reading exists. Therefore, I want you to be on the look for a very soon-to-be-published a post that will deal with the reading Malika made possessor, basically. And I will show you the overwhelming amount of documentations and resources that talked about it and who are those reputable Islamic scholars that address it. Our time is up. I want to thank you again for being with us. Once again, you can always go and listen to Let Us Reason through our website, sirainternational.com, or even on YouTube at our channel, Sira International. Visit our website, visit our Facebook, and befriend us at facebook.com forward slash alfadi.sira, and our page, like it and share it, which is also facebook.com forward slash Sira International. Thank you so much again for partnership with us, and next week... We will have our dear brother Sam Shamon to continue our fabulous series about Christology in the Quran. Until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.